the account of the giant Philistine and the little shepherd boy is one that we probably grew up with. I suspect that most of us cannot remember when we first heard that, that story. But perhaps not in as much fullness as we had this morning. And in fact, I guess rarely do we read it in that fullness. It's a familiar tale. It's one that we remember well, perhaps. But with familiarity sometimes comes, if not contempt, an understanding of, well, that's that. That's the story. I know it. And it's important that we don't simply hear this story in the Old Testament and think, well, that's another account of another battle and simply put it down that way. And it's also important that we don't just say, well, it's just like a fable that Aesop told about the tortoise and the hare, isn't it? You know, you've got your, your one that's obviously going to win in a one-on-one battle, but then the other one wins. It's not a fable. It's not about ingenuity over strength. This is about living out our call as God's people. About being who we are supposed to be. When we tell a story, particularly with children, we, we sometimes in our mind reduce it down to just David and Goliath. We even might give it a heading as such in the Bible. But that would set aside a number of other characters that are there, wouldn't it? Set aside Jesse, the brothers, the two opposing armies, and of course the king of the Israelites, Saul. A king's purpose in the people's mind is to lead his army off to battle. When the people cried out for a king in 1 Samuel 8, it was because, we are told, we want a king over us. Then we shall be like the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. Of 
That was the very purpose. It was the threat of the Philistines which led the Israelites to call for a king. And Saul is well capable of leading the army. After his anointing by Samuel, Saul sets to going after the Philistines. He chases them from the highlands. He takes them to the setting of our battle today, where they are on one hill and he is camped on the other. It's a kind of lowland area with a valley in between. But something seems to have happened to Saul. He's not living up to expectations. And the challenge of a champion drives him to his tent. Who, who could fight the Philistine Goliath? And the obvious answer should be Saul. It's what he is there for, to be the king, to lead them to battle. And he's not only the leader of the army. He has been earlier proclaimed to be head and shoulders bigger than any other of the Israelites. He is the Israelites' Goliath. And what's more, Saul was chosen by God and anointed by Samuel. But he doesn't fight. He doesn't respond to that call upon him. And it's not just that he doesn't fight Goliath. It's that he doesn't lead his troops forward ignoring Goliath's personal challenge. Of course, keeping some high ground is a good defensive position to be in. Whoever charges into a valley enters into a tactically difficult position. But when God calls and equips, he expects us to respond. How is God calling you? What's God calling you to do? How are you to live and to serve? How has he equipped you? And how are you responding? The next thing we might know is that the, the Philistine Goliath has been calling out to the Israelites for 40 days. It's not a single event. It's not a week. It's not a month. It's more than that. 40 days. 40 days 
of Saul's inaction. Forty days of simply forming up the troops in the battle formation, and then heaving Goliath, and they all run away. No wonder that after 40 days, Jess sends David to the front with supplies. No wonder that the father is asking of the sons, where are you and what's going on? Are you okay? The 40 days is like the rainfall of the flood or the years of the wandering in the wilderness. It is time that hope is restored to the people. It's time that things move forward. It's time to think of God's presence in all of this. Because seeking God's way forward has not been Saul's way. And it needs a new step. And so David, the anointed one, arrives on scene. And he does things differently. He listens. He watches. He sees that action is needed. But how do those who know him respond? How do those that were there when he was anointed in Bethlehem, chosen to be the future king, how do they act? His big brother Eliab says, why have you come down here? Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? I know you, I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. His brother isn't exactly fair on him, is he? Maybe we're not always fair on our brothers or sisters, but Eliab here seems particularly unfair. David had come at his father's instruction. He had left the sheep in the care of a shepherd. His heart is far from conceited, but full of love for God and wanting to do God's will. Eliab behaved a bit like we might sometimes. When someone does things differently, we sometimes wag the finger. We sometimes think of them as being wrong, but they might not be. When someone has hope and wants to engage in God's mission, do we encourage them? Or are we like Eliab? Too often, we might want to put someone in their place, pushing them down, when actually the place they should be is raised up 
their rightful place is stepping forward and doing something that others fear just dread. This is not for David. The idea of backing down is not for him. Neither is the armor of Saul too big, too cumbersome, and the sword isn't right either. It's not a sword like Excalibur in those ancient myths that will reveal who is the king, the future king of God's people. Now, he takes the small pebbles from the river and uses but one to kill Goliath. Goliath had cursed David by his gods, but Goliath's gods were false and without any power. By contrast, David comes in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. It is in God's name that victory comes. A simple stone kills the giant, but yet one that was blessed by God. And the severing of the head is not to kill, the man's already dead, but it's a sign that he won't be getting up again, that it's the Philistines' time to turn to run. The account of David and Goliath reminds us that in putting our trust in God, amazing challenges may be overcome. It's not always the biggest who is the bravest, not always the most threatening who is triumphant, not always the one who has been crowned is the true king. Amen.